welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Face Hammer Minisode 17. It's me, Russ the Face, and I'm joined by the Deaf Fish himself, Byron Ord. Taco bonito! Taco, taco! <laughs> so, this show is going to be about new armies, um, and more succinctly, our new armies that we are doing. So, what are you doing? <laughs> okay, so, kind of, well, I guess it's, a lot of it's going to be how how we pick a new army, why we pick a new army, and that is inevitably going to end up in the balance of how much of it is gaming, how much of it is paying, how much of it is assembly considerations or or time or anything like that. So I wanted a new army because I have a current army that takes me forever to do. Every time I want to add a new model, I'm just going to sacrifice two weeks of my life and half of my sanity. And I've done that a lot now, so I've got a very small proportion left. Um... Yeah, and your um your elves you, you've used a long for a long time, and they're not really an Age of Sigmar army, are they? No, not at all. Uh, we kind of kind of covered that in the the last episode, the South Coast one. I was I was very pleased with how I did with them, but they're not made for Age of Sigmar. They're not even really made for Eighth Edition. No, so they were they were a bit of a gimmick in that. I know how to. I mean, one of the nice things about them is because the army is so obviously what it is. It actually hasn't play, changed the way I play it from 8th edition to Age of Sigmar, and the size of it hasn't changed that much either. So, broadly speaking, on the table, I'm making the same shapes and using the same tactics. Well, I think, because for people who don't know, your elves is... I mean, you just could have seen pictures on it on the South Coast um, Best Army voting thread on GW's Facebook and also... Um, but basically, it's lots of big... Uh, phoenix monsters um and small units of shooty avoidancy elves with a couple of phoenix guard units basically yeah that's yeah. it but i think between eighth and aos because you're, you you use a lot an army with single models and it was all about where they were then it kind of feels the same because it's, it's a very high positional play army isn't it and i think aos is all about positional yeah play. Well, it's essentially a skirmish army. To me, it, you could have taken my archers off a movement tray, yeah. and they could have been skirmishes, and I still would have played them in exactly the same sense. So I guess to some degree that's why I found... It's a really simple, solid rule set, but that's why I found the transition from 8th to AOS so simple. Uh, I mean, I had I learnt my first game at a tournament, and I realised about four or five games in that actually I, was, I should just stop trying to do anything new because I didn't need to. Um, of course, the rules have changed the mechanics, the double turn and everything, but I was still approaching holistically my army in the same way, which was make a line of fairly delicate troops and then put out two big monsters and send them into your opponent's army, let them react around that. And the idea was that hopefully those things were so hard enough that they'd either scare people or do enough damage that you'd start winning, and then you can march up you guys for support for that reason, or that if they started dying, you could shut together a couple of throwaway units towards the middle of the table, and by the time the opponent had got through your hard birds or the prime, uh, which is one of the things I've added recently, uh, they'd hit two more speed bumps and they wouldn't be able to get to you before the game had finished. So unless someone's hyper-aggressive and they can deal with 
your threats in the centre of the board, they don't get to get to your GUI centre, which is yeah. actually at the backboard edge. Um, but you've decided to do a new project. So was that mostly motivated by gaming because you wanted something different to game with? Or is it also that you mentioned already the time and you wanted to do something different from a painting pr- perspective as well? It's actually It's actually a lot of both because I've... I've had a lot of different armies in the past, and I've only had one that I painted fast. And the only reason I painted that one faster because when I originally painted it, it was just when the demons had come out in 8th edition, and I was painting it to sell. And I just thought I'd get one of each unit uh, for, for all the gods, so one of each core unit, uh, a monster for each, and maybe a couple of cav units. I'd paint them up and I'd sell them as an army. But actually I painted them up and thought I quite enjoyed that. I'll start playing with them. But because I've been painting them to sell... My only consideration had been, what can I do to make these look the best in the shortest amount of time? And they looked absolutely fine. It was a very solid-looking army. Um, not nearly as, as award-worthy as, as other stuff that I've done, but I was really happy with them. And I really enjoyed being able to think, oh, cool, I've enjoyed playing that tournament. I'm going to one in two months or whatever. By that point, I can very easily have this this and this different and it'll take me four nights of painting whereas four nights of painting on my elf army will actually yield me like a shoulder pad and an arm <laughs> or something or a bird yeah, that, that is unfortunately no exaggeration yeah. so yeah so i really wanted something different for both gaming and painting purposes which fall hand in hand for me because i want something that is different to play with on the table so it's fun to keep things fresh but in wanting something where i can keep things fresh easily that means that I want a speed painting project. So, hand in hand, my army had to be something new and different from elves. That's in colour-wise, uh, models-wise, and how it plays on the table. But also, it has to be something I can paint faster. And that's up to me. It's how I choose to go about the scheme and the model. Because you can paint anything as fast or as slow as you like with varying results. So, I wanted to pick an army that I knew I could paint fast well, and it could look striking, and it would be interesting and I wasn't allowed to do it all turquoise as well. Yeah, you have to move away from your your turquoise crutch, I would yeah, say. Exactly. Um, but I think it's um, it's quite interesting to say, oh, okay, I'm going to do a new force, and I'm going to do, I'm actually going to lower my painting style, not lower it, but but sacrifice sort of like top level quality to get it done quicker and make it a less painful experience, which is to be honest i mean we might probably touch on motivation during the show with a project at the moment we're just starting so our motivation is quite high but how long until that dips off a cliff and then we're (laughs) we're struggling to get the army finished and we move on to something else i'm a nightmare for it i'm always starting something and then going oh i've got halfway through i've built everything i've deep sealed lined everything i've undercoated everything oh and then i'll do something else and then um I end up with like half done armies and that was why when I did my project Bloodbound I really wanted to paint it as quickly as I possibly could so I didn't lose my enthusiasm. You didn't set any expectations you, from the first test models to the last you stuck with I'm going to get these done fast effectively strikingly and I'm going to get them on the table quickly which is I think setting your expectations prior to starting the army is a really important thing and the key point where people screw that up is always the test model because they yep. paint one guy and it's like, oh just another highlight another highlight another highlight that only took me two hours it didn't it took you four because you've not actually timed it because you're a human 
and then you do your first unit and you them all to that stand and think, oh, this is really good, it's really cool. Four units down, you realise that you're painting everything like a character and actually your army looks 3% better from one foot up than from two feet away. It's no different to how it would look if you'd spent half the time on those models. Yeah. So your aim then with this new army, and obviously we've probably already hinted that it's going to be a death army, um, you're gonna is it sort of a medium level or are you doing a very quick level or are you kind of doing anything sort of what level are you pitching it at? Uh do you mean level as in speed or quality? Both. What do you think? You've you're more objective than me, you've seen my test model. I would say quick, but with that extra steps to round it off, I'd say it's probably intermediate speed and, and sort of slightly above average quality for you. Um so it's not like your demon army. It's a bit higher than that. Yeah, possibly just because I've moved on. I mean, yeah, I think I think to be honest, like you get quicker and better at what you produce in the time anyway. So it's probably probably be about as quick, but better modern. quality, I guess. Modern models as well. Yeah, it helps. Well, modern-ish. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've uh, essentially, yeah, I, I wanted to pick an army where I could do a color that wasn't turquoise, and the original plan had been red and. I, I was kind of, I was fighting with myself on whether I was going to do a a mono mono black and white and army. So another, my elves are effectively black and white and blue, and now I was thinking of doing black and white and red, like Sin City, if you will. It's the example yeah. that a lot of people use. And I have done test models to that effect um, on other smaller models in the past, but I started and I just thought I would. The other colours I've got and the other colours I wanted to use they're not going to be uh, they're not going to be too bright so they'll be bones or whites or whatever but I just wanted to pick really modern looking models to paint in that way because the more modern a model is the better it is for painting fast so to some degree that's kind of dictated what I want to do in the army and what I'm going to take on the table luckily the death selection has had quite a few that's that's bracket modern is three three years old. Yeah, um, it's had quite a lot of releases within that time, three yeah. or four years, I guess. So basically, since the Coven Throne release, here yeah, I have no idea when that is. Yeah, um, but I mean, anything. I mean, most of the kits are pretty decent, aren't they? Yeah, fantastic. So that when I came to building lists, which is obviously one of the first things you do before you go out there and spooge a load of money, or is it Russ? Um, no. You no. just buy the model and make a list from what you have. Then realise you're missing half the stuff and then have to buy more. Um, of course. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I had a look and I was building lists and I was I was pulling in more of the modern things. I was avoiding older ones, uh, particularly. I mean, the older ones happen. A lot of them happen to be the core infantry, and of course, painting fifty dudes is always going to be painting fifty dudes. And whether you're yeah. painting them as fast as you can, or to a, a high tournament standard, or a, an award standard or whatever, that's still 50 guys. So I find it hard as well. The older the model is, the more painful it is to clean up. Yes, exactly. Uh, and Easy I find that's the biggest demotivating factor when I do a project. Well, yeah, and I, I decided to do this one on a whim, so I've not been able to ship it over to Terry to build it for me. <laughs> no. You have got a few... You'll be buying stuff off me and stuff and, you know, stuff that's already assembled and to try and cut a few corners, but, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
So in terms of like new techniques, then is there? I mean, you said you're going to move away from your grayscale spot color, but you're. I take it you're doing. You are using other colors, but they're all kind of muted, aren't they? Yeah. So um, almost, I don't know how to describe it. Almost like washed out, and then you've got like one bright, vivid color. Yeah, I'm still not quite sure about. So essentially, that I've got some some reds. I'm using scale seventy five paints on this, uh, so they are. They're a really weird, interesting range. We've talked about them a lot on the podcast before, but in short, to the airbrush, they act like normal paints. Um, so they, they go down fairly well. They've got good coverage. They just dry more matte than other ranges. Uh, on the brush, they are really forgiving, and they're not very opaque, Yeah, which lends them well to doing... Ironically, lends them well to doing like bold gutsy, not particularly delicate painting styles, because when they dry, you, your edges look like they're blended a bit more than they are. Yeah, because it kind of, they're almost like pre-glazed, and I find the pigment yeah. kind of sits in the middle of the paint. Yeah, it does. It's hard so, to explain until you've used it, but you, they don't feel like, you know, if you get like a GW paint, and you just blodge it on with a brush, you get a definitive line, whereas you did that with a Scale 75 one, it just would be a little bit fuzzier. Exactly. They're terrible for base coating, uh, yeah, a lot of them are not all of them, but most of them are terrible for base coating. Unless you airbrush the base coat, which then it is fine. Then they're absolutely fine. So yeah. I've used a lot of their colours and um, for the reds, and then essentially the other stuff is uh, so far anyway. I've only done one test model, which is one of the Morgast Harkai Harbour and that's got some bones on it, and it's got a colour called Deep Blue that I've used on the little wing membrane bits. And then the one thing that pulls the model up, kicking and screaming into the vivid spectrum, is Tammy Clear Red, which I'm still not sure about, although I can't deny that it is striking and you can't not look at it <laughs> because it's very, very in your face. So I've, I've tried to keep things within that spectrum for uh, for painting reasons. And the model was awesome as well. It's a really modern one. It's all texture-based, so uh, you can highlight these models with the side of a dry brush, which I did a lot. Um, they wash beautifully and anything uh, using uh, the airbrush from above or just trying to hit angles because they're so 3D and angular and it's been designed on a computer with CAD and exaggerated stuff just seems to work better and you get more for your fairly short amount of time out of it yeah I think they are very um, they're very heavily textured and they've got very deep recesses to design how they're, they're actually constructed the model itself when you build it so that it's it's broken down in such a tacky way that is a bit of a problem when you build a Morgast because assembly is awful. It's an awful thing to assemble, and then once you're actually got it assembled, painting it is if you're using kind of like airbrushes and washes and dry brushes or, or edging, is really nice because you've got really deep recesses and lots of texture, and that's that really does help. Couldn't be more different, could it? Because you've got this process where the assembly feels just. It, it doesn't feel old-fashioned because they're very new, but it feels unnecessarily overcomplicated. And then you get to paint, and it's just a dream. It, it's like, I don't know if you've ever built a Vortex Beast, or um, but it's like one of those kits where you've got pieces, and you're like, how does that fit together? And you can't actually visualise where on the model it actually goes, what a roundup it should be, and you just got, like, piles of skulls that slot together, <laughs> and it's like, does it go this way? I remember when I built mine, I spent ages trying to work out how the three kind of skull sections slot into each other. Oh, absolutely. And, and then there's you all got those to one point like where it just, like, clicks, and you're like, 
oh, that's how it goes. And it's like, why is this so complicated? And when you look at the picture, because the skulls are all pointing different directions anyway, you can't really work out which way up it's meant to be. <laughs> so you're almost like rubbing these two like piles of skulls together, and then it just clicks together, and you're like, wow. Then you take it apart and put the glue on it, and then you go, how did it go again? At this time, you're rubbing plastic glue. <laughs> so it's a bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, I, I found that once I built the first like two or three, it, it became easier, but doing like 11 of them was was tricky which is why i'm so glad that you're selling (laughs) selling them to you (laughs) thank god God for orcs yeah exactly and speaking of which (laughs) so what have have you been doing i've kind of been since aos come out i've i've been struggling to find a project and i've been wanting new things um because i want new direction i want new design um i've got so many models like i've got from old Warhammer as well, and I'm like, do I rebase my death? Do I do a death army? Do I go back to my Nurgle? Do I rebase that? Do I add to that? Do I add some clan pestilence in? You know, do I go back to my black armored warriors and get my airbrushed zinch demons and do a zinch warrior army? Do I do a bloodbound, which I did because I did them quickly because I just wanted them out of the way uh, while I was waiting for stuff? Got a Stormcast army. Do I do that? Um, do I add some different order things to that? You know, do I start looking at some of the newer stuff like Fire Slayers or some of the Sylvaneth stuff? And then I was like, well, to be honest, when I saw the Oryx, I went, yeah, doing Done. that. Because <laughs> um, I've got some, I, I was going to do a campaign um, back in 8th edition at the local gaming club, uh, at the Cheltenham Club, and um, I bought a load of Moon Clan models, and I painted a couple goblins, and I love I love Orcs and Goblins. I've been, when I was a kid, that was the first Warhammer army, it's always a typical way, like the first time I learned how to use ink washes was painting goblin skin, because my local GW manager was an Orc and Goblin player. And he, I, I had like a little night goblin force and I took it to the games night and on the games night, everyone put their models on one side of the board and we all played a mega battle every Thursday. Basically, that was my first introduction to gaming was with my orcs and goblins. And, um, I've never finished an orc and goblin army. Like I've never painted an entire army and it's all done and it's rounded off. I've always got bits I've done. Um, and, I've got a lot of the old metals and limited edition models, which are lovely. Super classic. There's so, there's the stuff that I can remember my first white dwarf and I still got it. And it was, there was two in a row. There was one that had the massive orc dude on the front when the orcs and goblins book had come out. And then there's one that had the empire on the front. And it was kind of mm. around the same time. And just, it was full of black orcs and the grim gore model and the Nazgob Shaven and stuff like that. And they are just, those models will be classic for me forever. And they are what makes this hobby, like the, like the little just childish glees you get when you look at them. Yeah. They're awesome. They are amazing. And like Nazgob's my favorite was from a, it's from a Warhammer campaign box back in, I'm going to say fifth edition, that model Um, it might be, might be, I think it's fifth. Um, and it, there was also a Night Goblin Shaman called Oddgit, and those are two of my favourite models. Um, and I have them both, which is lovely. And um, I'm thinking about doing Oryx, um, the new Iron Jaws, because the models are fantastic. Um, I think they and, also mix with old ones quite yeah, well. Yeah, they do, and I think they don't look a million miles away. I mean, Brian Nelson sculpted them, and he sculpted a lot of the old stuff, so it, it kind of makes sense. It looks similar. Um, but I've got, a, I think Moon Clan 
it's always been one of my favourite things, like goblins. So I'm going to mix Moon Clan with them, um, and I'll probably add some bits as a destruction force going forward. I haven't decided on a list. Like I haven't actually sat down and done a gaming list with it. Um, so have you just taken these guys in in the assumption that? And I guess he kind of did this with the Bloodbound, but have you just picked a new army because visually that's one you want and then decided that you'll make something work gaming-wise from the selection that you have Surely buy. that. Okay. I've just gone... I like the models. Um, I know there's some good stuff in Destruction, like um, some good does. units and synergies. Um, it's not really a gaming project for me. It's it's I, I want to go to a game at events and be able to compete and that's all I care about I don't care about having the best combo I could ever get um, but I want an army that looks cool as well and I'm going to enjoy painting so I kind of went and I've been wanting to paint an army yellow for ages right? <laughs> I always want, I never get around to actually doing it and I've always loved the 40k orcs so the, the look of 40k like orcs in mega armor and you know like the the sort of the killer cans and gargants and i love it i think they look amazing and the new oryx just really fit that and i i just but it's but it's not guns it's you know it's swords and boards and you know big clubs and i think they're just fantastic i love the more crusher um for me, grumpy dragon. The more That's... crusher just is. I want to paint one. I want to use it in games. Um, I love two? the. Sh- I love the shaman. Yeah, I've got two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and the brutes, I think, just look great. They're like you know, they're like gnarly, horrible, aggressive looking things. And I'm just like, yeah, definitely want to be painting these. And I can add with that I can add my little comedy goblins and mix it together and I've got all my squigs I've got my squig gobber no I don't think I'll ever take that <laughs> um, got my manglers and stuff so there's stuff I can do and I think it'll be cool um, I, I don't know gaming wise how good it'll be um, but I'm hoping that if, even if I've got the force I can always move away to something else if, I, if I'm if i not finding it particularly yeah, great. Yeah you got ogres to, to break things up even if that was the case which I'm sure it won't be fundamentally they're not awful so I looked at their stats, I looked at their things and I went well they're okay but there's some things in there that are cool um, that they, they might release more as well um, more formations sure they will. The, the storm casting as well, just one formation can make a real difference to yeah it can and, and I, was, I was quite anxious to get my book um, and see the formations and now I've got that, there are a couple in there which stand out to me Um so there are some interesting things you can do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I It's kind of like it's new shiny syndrome. They're really nice models. They're modern. They look like they're going to be a lot of fun to paint. Um, in terms of painting, I'm, I'm do, I was going to do, I was going to use chipping medium and do some things, but I decided that actually it's a bit faffy. And, too modern. Take a step back. Too much at once. Yeah, and I thought actually I don't need to use because they're not like tanks or vehicles they're infantry so you are doing your dudes weathered then you're not going for showroom shiny orcs or or i'm gonna weather them but not super weather like i'm gonna i'm gonna try and make them look like they're campaigning so there's gonna be dust on the feet there's gonna be blood on the weapons on the shields there's gonna be you know like chips of paint there's gonna you know i want to make them look 
like they are literally on the march on the march and they're not stopping until they've killed everything in their way and they don't they're not all like fresh out the or tent you know with their shiny armor um I want to do a lot of freehand, so I want to do a lot of dags, a lot of checks. Um, yellow, grey, and yellow as well. And I think, it's yeah, kind of yellow, and, color, haven't you? yeah, yellow, black, white. Um, I've got to pick an accent color. It's going to be purple um, in a lot of the colors as a wash. Um, but I'm just, I'm just excited about painting them. I love painting orc skin. I love, I love um, like sort of the jagged armor. I think, and I love the fact that the new armor has got so many ridges in it. And so designed. I can, yeah, they are. Yeah, so I can do, I can do some. Might do some uh, non-metallic metal um, style. On I might not use any metallic paint. Um, it will make the army look more more dusty potentially. Which if yes, because it will look matte. So you can um, also put you can put rust on non-metallic metal, and it it can look really nice because you just end up with interesting blends. Well, you can tint the. Um, the grey, the, the silver into a blue spectrum, and with the orange rust, yeah. it really contrasts so well. Uh, it does look very cartoony, so it's dependent on how. If I want to make the army look cartoony, or if I want to make it look really gritty and realistic. So, and normally my style's gritty and realistic. So, it depends on which direction I want to go. I haven't decided yet. I've done a test base. Um, I've done. I've airbrushed a few yellows out of an airbrush down on a Grimgore model. I've got a rough idea in my head what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to experiment and see what happens. But I'm going to paint the army fairly quickly. Um, yes, my my next two questions are going to be: one, are you trying to approach things differently to to push yourself hobby wise with this? So either with speed or different techniques, or or jumping away from a style that's yours. So I tried to jump away from turquoise and and hard brush blends because they're really time consuming are you trying to jump away from your your typical like smooth slightly muted palette stuff or um i'm probably not going to step away from my muted smooth palette style but what i will do is move away from my and like my ridiculously blend everything style yeah um and probably try some edge highlighting on the armor to make it easier makes sense because it's all ridged anyway and I'll probably use the skin to do my smooth blending. So I'm going to have the hard-edged armor with the smooth skin, and that contrast will look really good. Because you're going to have, to, going to have two different painting styles next to each other, but because they're two different textures. Um, so you don't use gloss at all because you you listed a lot of things. That... Yeah, there'll be blood, so the blood will be glossy. So you've got beautiful contrast there from something shiny like dusty campaign armies and blood is just a good mix because it, it kind of fits yeah. and it looks really good to have something shiny next to something matte. Yeah, and I'm just excited about doing it. I mean, the freehand is something that what I'm probably going to do is get the air, the army airbrushed, get the base colours down, get some washes on it, get the bases done so it's gaming ready. Um, and then I will go over and bring the units up and add all the freehand and finish stuff off. So a little bit like what Les did with his uh, Vindicators, um, where he did the army for gaming standard, and then he went to each unit and brought them back up to sort of higher level. Um, do you have problems with that? Because I, I, I do, find yeah. it very difficult to return to units. I do, because I just want to pet a new thing. Yeah. Um, 
I've got my Demon Army to classic example. That army was airbrushed for speed, and the idea was to wash it and highlight it. And I've never, I haven't washed and highlighted a single model in that army. I just kept adding to it. Yeah. Um, so it is a danger. What I'll probably do is paint one model to a high level, and that will give me the motivation to go back. So did you pick Grimgore as your test model on purpose because it doesn't matter if you spend too much time on him? Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to use that model because he's classic GW, like orcs. He's so good. Because he stood on like Empire shields, he's holding an Empire general's head. Um, so I'm not going to use him in my main army. There are so many like decent orc character models. I'm like, well, I've got... The game stay black orc with the two-handed axe. I've got the black orc with the short, uh, the, the sort of the axe and shield. I want to use the forge world orc models. So I'm like, well, how how many characters do I need? And you know, so um, I'll probably I will finish him and I might use him, but he is he's so sort of classic and he's iconic. I don't know if he fits the AOS thing very well. Yeah, that makes sense. So I kind of, he's not really on my priority. So the reason I did him, and, and it's not really a real good reason, is because he was built and undercoated. Yeah. So I, he was the model that was, I didn't have to wait for the undercoat to dry for me to test his scheme on. That That's literally the only reason he was the model that I picked. Um, yeah, I was giving you credit for for, <laughs> <laughs> And he's got a very similar armor structure to the new models. Because obviously they're all majority armor, so there's no point me testing a shaman, which is all robe, whereas that doesn't isn't going to tell me what the scheme will look like. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. But I, I haven't really, I haven't really thought too much about what I'm doing. Um, I find what I end up doing is I I run out of motivation very quickly, so I just need to get things on the move. Well, you've you've done it in a pretty solid and uh, comprehensive fashion as you now own one of everything that's <laughs> two of some others. Well, I've got um, I've got a bit more than one of everything. <laughs> I've basically I've got a war chanter, a weird knob shaman, um, a mega boss, and then I've got four units of brutes. So two that's boxes of hard boys, two boxes of gorgonas, and two more crushers. There we go. So you you pretty much <laughs> yeah, pretty much got got everything. Um, yeah, I'm quite uh, you know that's kind of how I do things. I buy everything and then work from it from that. But I thought you know, I thought about it as an army, and I thought well, it's kind of very similar to my Bloodbound, which is the only thing I'm a little bit worried about that it might be it's too infantry heavy and it's going to play a lot like my Bloodbound. So. I need to do something to make it interesting, so I might want to try and get some shooting in. So I might get some um, get some war machines and take my moon clan grots with bows, but not decided yet. So with your your test model, are you are you sitting down with a vague plan in mind and what you finish up with? If you're happy, that's how you're going to go about doing the army, or do you know categorically I'm going to approach it in this fashion? Um, I haven't even like finish the test model I, I did five I had five test models where I tried to chip in medium that was a complete not a disaster but a, a kind of a no-go I was very quickly new this isn't how I'm going to do it and all I've done on Grimgore is I've airbrushed the, the armour and I haven't washed the armour I haven't done anything else I haven't done the skin I haven't done the metal nothing 
uh, and all I'm going to do is put him to one side and start working on the new stuff and I will take probably a unit of brutes and just paint them and go right that's what I'm going to do then I'll rinse repeat that across the army um, do you normally you do the unit and you're like yes that's good go rather than doing one thinking actually I'll try and change it at all yeah mostly because yeah. I, I just think you you could sit there forever tweaking some stuff that actually doesn't need to be what I find I end up doing is I end up with a scheme and then as I start I go I can make this more efficient by cutting or out the, step, the, order, the, steps, the or... steps or change the order so it's like when I first did my Bloodbound the first unit I did the sequence slightly wrong well not wrong but in a more inefficient way yeah. um, and I changed that and it made it a lot easier and then all I did was rinse repeat that across the whole army and it literally was that and it was just a case of grinding through it are you going to do any swatting up before you do your test model because I, I actually did do some swatting up swatting up you mean I read my angels or others but oh um, are you no. going to go and look at any tutorials or read up about a thing or or ask us on the podcast questions or do you, do you generally know roughly how you're going to go at it and well, when we're happens. on Skype, we talk through things as we're doing it. Like when you did your test model, we were on, and I was doing the Grimgore at the same time. So yeah, I've done my test model. So should I talk about the process of that? Yeah, go for it. It's game. Okay, so I sat down. My model was assembled. I had based it beforehand because it just because the type of model it is really, it's, it's very much attached to the ground and it's in in quite an arty way with the the spirit hosts kind of holding up its wings and stuff. So I got the more cast and I. I actually stepped down the base, which is the first time I've done it in quite a while. So I got the it's a sixty mil base, I think. Yeah, roughly no, fifty. Cut. I think now fifty. Okay, yeah, I don't know, big one. So I got it and chopped a uh, chopped a circle out of the middle of it with a knife. Uh, just put it down on a cutting pad, chopped it out, pressed that down to snap it through, and then I have built up the the edges of that. If you imagine like a uh, a step-down recess within the outer donut that's still the normal base. Put green stuff around the edge, and I've used that to make a recess in the base itself because I wanted to do some interesting stuff with basing with the army, partly because I just wanted to and partly because if you're doing a fast army, your basing becomes more important, and if you want a wow factor, basing is, is often one of the, the keystones just of, of drawing attention to it by doing something different. So completely not differently to my normal approach it's in the grey scale so it's, it's dry brushed up from black to grey but very differently there is a lot of tammy clear red in it which was the last thing I did on the model because it's a really impossible process to do at any stage apart from the end so I'll come to that in a bit but I got the model, sprayed it black and then I pre-shaded it quite aggressively uh, with the airbrush because it's got so many angles you can do it from a spray can it would work fine but I just didn't want to miss bits and I quite enjoy the process and I do also think it's a really good way to learn about the model because you can test things out in black and white which is often the best way to test them and you can play around with it and just make it black again and do it white again and make it black again and do it white again until you're happy and then when you get to actually putting the colour on that is your intent for putting over the pre-shading you've had practice already um, I should probably just clarify pre-shading for anyone that doesn't know it's when you stereotypically you would spray your model black as an undercoat and then you take white or grey and you use that to lay down a foundation that will show through your base coat 
So if you've got, if you were just painting a ball for whatever reason, squig. Um, if it was black and you had it, you'd sprayed it with just a spray can from the top. You'd hold that ball and you'd look at it, and the very top of it would be completely white, the very bottom of it would be completely black, and then it would fade out like it had been shaded in Photoshop or whatever down until uh, at the sides of it it was a neutral grey and then it faded to black underneath. So you can take your armor pads on your model, a face, cheekbones, uh, it doesn't matter, any part of the model you can take that and you can do that with, and you can do that on on purpose from above, like the sun would shade it. Or you could um, you could do it picking angles just because you think that'll look interesting so you can make the sword brighter at the end because you decided to do that. So I appreciated the model very aggressively and played around with doing that. Then I went and did a little bit of swatting up, so I got my Angel Gerald's book, and I looked through... I should have this to hand really talking about this, but it is the... There's two things he paints red in it, and I looked through the process of yeah. doing both of those, and I chose one uh, which I really liked, which is towards the front of the book. It's a big robot, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's iguana, it's probably. Me. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Um, and what he does in that is he goes up through the colours and it, it looks a bit wobbly. Then he hits it all with a glaze or layer of filter to make sure it stays red. And I looked at that and knew that's what I wanted to do. I'd seen some pictures of Arkai and the general modern death models throughout the internet. So I'd the part of the reason for picking these models in particular is I just love their armour plates on their shoulders. They just look yeah. great. Nagash has got them. All of Nagash's armor plates are fantastic. Arkan's got them. Um, Nefras and Manfred to a lesser degree. Yeah, it's like banded armor, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. It's really nice to. It's really nice because it gives you that contrast between the the shaded. It's almost like the Tyranid plates. Yes. Um, so you've got like that really deep shade. It's got these steps. And then you've got the really light edge, and then it's right next to another deep shade. So it gives you like a really nice. Um, contrast sort of I don't know like layer yeah definitely so it's really good for just popping like that it's almost stripy but yeah it's really good definitely so I've got these and I essentially I kind of worked organically throughout the process so I knew that I needed to do I needed to at least put my bone base coat down before I did any of my red bits Um, sorry the other way around because the red would stain the bone so obviously and you can't control it when you're overshooting these armor plates or whatever. So I did my red bits first, uh, putting down a base coat, uh, then did my bone. And my bone I made uh, transparent with glaze medium, but it's a scale 75 paint anyway. So it lends itself quite well to being transparent. Popped it all over, went through all my dry brushing on the bone, uh, which is just up a bit lighter, adding white, still keeping the palette fairly, fairly compact in terms of the amount of different colors. And then I did my red and my red, I took through uh, from black to red, uh, and I, I didn't add orange at any stage, which I'm still not sure if was right. Um, took it all the way up to adding white as, as the final highlight, and then I sprayed it all over with Tammy Clear Red, which dilutes surprisingly well uh, through the airbrush. All Tammy paint is beautiful through airbrushes. I'd never used one of their, their thick, gloopy ones before. And that's kind of been a filter on it. And I sprayed that more in the recesses because I just wanted them to be, I wanted them to be a little bit shiny. I didn't want them to be too matte. Yeah. And then I dotted, uh, dotted the tops of all the highlights with white again, which kind of, uh, took it more towards pastel 
uh, a matte finish than the glossy one that it was, but I, I wanted a key focal point on each of those shoulder pads. And um, after that, because it's a beautiful modern model, I no progression, straight to white, and highlighted the edges of the armor plates, which I think has actually worked quite well. They, I mean, they do... They look a little bit manga, I guess you'd say. It's, it's mm. not, it's not subtle and it, it wasn't intended to be subtle at all, but, um, I think it's worked out fairly well. And then to pull that bone, which had nothing of red about it, apart from where I oversprayed and made mistakes, um, and the red panels together, the entire thing got a wash in one of my favorite wash mixes, which I generally use on flesh actually, but I think worked well for this. Uh, and that is, Army Painter's Soft Tone Ink, which is uh, it's the equivalent of their dip, and is uh, Griffin Sepia, if you're talking in GW terms. I took that and then their red wash, mixed them together about two or three to one, sepia to red, uh, put a bit of medium in there to make sure it flowed nicely, and put it all over the entire model. And that meant that the entire thing had, had just been, it all been warmed up, it lifts the model up and pulls it together at the same time. And um, then I went over with white from scale 75 again, straight white, um, diluted quite a lot, and did some very fast highlights with the edge of my dry brush on the wings. That was pretty much it. Uh, two stages at the end, I put the Tammy Clear Red on. I'm still not too sure about that. It's really, really glossy. <laughs> and it's really, really red. Um, but uh, it, it should do its duty. And across the entire army, I think it will be... You can always tone that down with like a a, a wash of almost like brownie black or something just to like take the take the gloss out of it and tone the red down if you're worried about it. But I think so. I think I'll also fade it. I'll I'll fade it in to the to the model a bit more gently, and I'll do some blood spatters where it's coming from. But overall, I'm pretty pleased with how it looks. And the most pleasant thing was actually just how nice the model was to paint. There wasn't a single bit of it that I didn't enjoy painting really which is very, very different from the experience assembling it. <laughs> and um, I'm really glad about But nicely, Russ is sending me about eight that he's put together. So Yeah, I'll save you that to... job. Yeah, definitely. I've done it with two models, and it took me so long. So I've got, I've still got Arkan, Neferata, uh, and, a, and some some other big models. Toes assembled in Nagash that he's going to send me over. So <laughs> I've got that. But yeah, that was my test model. And the process was kind of... I knew roughly where I wanted to be. Reading the Angel Geraldo's book beforehand was really, really helpful. Not in terms of colours I used or anything, but just it cemented it to me that I wanted it to look red, red at the end, and I did want to use a glaze at some point, and that was enough to make a difference. And uh, yeah, just pop through the entire thing. Modern models are different, though. They this process would have been completely different if I'd chosen something sculpted a decade ago. It wouldn't have worked at all. No, I think you need those hard ridges, don't you? The way that the method you're using, just just how you're painting it. Yeah, you need the hard ridges, and you also need the the beautiful flowy organic shapes that take washes. Yeah, because you put a wash on something that hasn't been smoothed out and and like globuled and blobbied in the right way uh, on the bone stuff, and it just doesn't work. On these models, have got a lot of really really cool shapes coming out of them just are there for artistic license they're kind of loosely based on anatomy but really you know that they're based on people wanting to paint nice looking things yeah definitely so you you how long did your test model take you yeah i should have probably timed it a bit better (laughs) i think um 
I think two hours start to finish because I ended up doing a few, as I always do with test models, I ended up doing a few processes a bit wrong the first time, so covering it up and going again. But yeah. I think, I think about two hours. I don't which... think it's that long because you did it basically while we were chatting on Skype the other night, so we got most of it done. So, um, so you've basically worked out your colour scheme roughly. Yeah. Um, and you're happy with it and you basic scheme if you do you know what you're doing with that that's all sorted yeah the, the only uh big question is i'd like to play around with uh doing water effects to some degree on this so if you imagine a round base and then you built up the two sides of it to make a valley but you wanted to have um uh, golden demony or, or high end painter style you wanted to have a river flowing through that base that that finished transparent at the edges of the base i'd like to try something like that which i've never done before at all with the with the red in it mm. so i want the army to be very bloody very macabre and so do you mean like a cut out of the side of the base where you can see like the the sort of the the river bed and and the, yeah. the solid resin almost that yeah um i've never done it before maybe it's something to say for characters but uh personally i think across an army it's very difficult to execute effectively it's a time consuming process and um it can end up just looking a little bit messy yeah or A, a lot of people will go oh wow look you've got like it looks like that model's based on a lump of jelly or it's got you know, it's got a cutaway of the water, fine. But if it's a gaming army as well, I think it's very easy for that to get um, sort of scuffed. And, and yeah. like, I mean, I've seen a few armies where they've got the whole base is almost like a cutaway out of water. But because it's a gaming piece, it's dusty and scuffed, and it, actually the water's not even transparent anymore. I'm not saying that that's not really what you're doing, but also it's quite hard to get it to set properly, not have it leak... Um, it's not an easy thing. I mean, I, I process, stepped away from that when I did my, my sort of like rivers of slime and I just did it with PVA glue and green stuff um, and just and then just painted it so it was yeah. just solid. So it wasn't transparent at all. Um, Might put a few bubbles in it um, or yeah, things like that. Yeah, that's easy to do. That's just green stuff, balls, and then cut them in half and then put a bit of glue over the top of it. That's what it's I did with mine, basically. Good solid activity for when you don't know what else to do, hobby-wise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got enough uh, green stuff balls on my blood bound, because that's how I did my lava, basically. So it's just green stuff balls cut in half, and then and then PVA glue over the top um, to make a a nice kind of smooth, smooth it over. Um, but so you're basically all settled then on your paint scheme? Pretty much, yeah. I think um, I'll post up, I'll take a picture of all the paints that I've used on the first model, I think it is literally it's about ten or something. It's pitiful. Mm. Um, so uh, just for people who want to see how it is, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was nice. It was really nice to sit down with a tr- like troll-sized model, knowing that I'd be finished by the time I was finished, rather than like I'd have our foot done. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, okay, so I suppose we should have a little break, and then we come back. And we can talk about gaming-wise, I guess, and then that'll probably wrap it up. Whoop. Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service, all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off, and all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. 
To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. Okay, we're back. Um, so, new project then. So you you decided death. Did you decide the colour scheme before you picked a list, or did you look at lists and then go for the models and then come up with a scheme? I mean, how did you approach that? Yeah, kind of a bit between the two, I think. I knew I wanted modern models, and it, I, I more picked the fact that I wanted to paint armour than the colour. So this this army could have ended up... the other colour I consider is like a Dark Angel's greeny, really regal, deep, rich green on the plates, because I thought it would have looked cool. No, that's interesting. It would look really nice with bone, because it's quite a good, almost Dark Angel's, isn't it? Bone and dark green. Yeah, I think it would have looked really good. I'm still... I wanted something to go with the red rather than against it, because things can look like they're Christmas coloured if you do bright red and bright green. Yeah, not a good, not a good scheme. No, so I think actually that colour I like more, but for this scheme, I chose to go with one I liked less um, individually. But I didn't want green and red next to each other, particularly that 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 colour it tends to be really rich and glossy. So you'd have this, it might just be too much having a a, a green of that vibrancy and a red of that vibrancy, both glossy and both largely featured throughout the army. Yeah, you'd have to almost take the green away into a pastel tone, wouldn't you? Yeah, which completely, those armour plates, that green in pastel, I think would actually look awful. The mm, red. Most likely, yeah. Yeah, the red, the red would work in it, but the green wouldn't. So I chose, I, yeah. I chose painting armour plates and weapons in a modern style, and then basically I wasn't allowed to do turquoise. I couldn't do green because I'd already decided to have a clear red. And so kind of I was forced by logic into doing something within the, the warm spectrum of things, and probably red. I did, orange wouldn't have worked, and yellow next to bone, nah. Yeah, it's too close. Isn't yeah. It? So. Also, the wash for bone, uh, the, the fleshy-coloured wash that I knew from previous experience painting a coven throat, it works really, really well, so I knew that I could pull the entire piece together with the same wash, which is, if you're doing that, you tend to be painting a fast army. If at any stage you can say, here's the stage where I wash, 90% of the model, there's a good chance that you're doing something that's quite quick. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a, a controlled um, dip, but not a dip. Yes, so. absolutely. Um, so list-wise then, because um, obviously gaming, you said you want to do something new gaming-wise. I mean, we spoke about Def, didn't we? Because Def was going to be one of my projects. Yeah. So, um, so we had a, had a chat quite early on, before I bought any of the models, actually. Yeah. And uh, the only models I had at the time were some Crypt Horrors, which I've always liked and I'd played around a little bit with before uh, and ended up not doing anything with. And we spoke about a list that is actually probably fairly close to the list I've ended up with. Um, but I kind of I went away from it, built loads of lists, and then squeezed it in and capacitated it down. And actually, by the end of it, I think the list that we spoke about originally that was one of your intents is pretty close to what I've ended up with. Um, yeah. Although some of that is because the start collecting box is just so perfect for what I want to do that I'm kind of going to end up using everything that's in it anyway. Well, I think some units stand out, don't they? I mean, the, the, the list. I mean, we're looking at a lot of spirits, aren't we? So they're modern models. They're quick to paint. You kind of get away from having to do loads of infantry. Yeah. Um, then you you look at well, 
I want to use the more tarks and the more ghasts. So sort of arcans are perfect to go with our with Morgas because they synergize he gets summoning bonus they they give him extra summoning they're good as a summon unit um you know and then obviously combat character wise Neferat is you know just or stand out because you get the immune to rend and then she works really well with blood knights so blood knights are really cool so why not have some blood knights and I think you you very quickly get into your into your list, don't you? So there's probably about 120 points that are pretty solid. I mean, the one thing I have got is that I think the list very solidly has the option to run no ethereals if I don't want to and just be really, really full on and um, yeah. aggressive. And I guess the, there aren't many left field choices in there. Um, the Mortis engine's interesting because yeah. I've not seen many of those about. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at doing it myself, but. I, my partly was because nobody else was using them and I thought they might be quite quirky mm-hmm. um, lovely model though I've painted a Coven Throne before that I've mentioned and I painted that I don't know why I chose to do that one actually because I, I was just painting it to sell and put on eBay mm. but the Mortis engine is gorgeous one of my favourite models and I just, I just love how those spirits have got that armour on which is a really good point for contrast and it, it just looks it just looks like the best of undeath so I, I really like that model, and also it's high, it's high, it's tall. Uh, yeah, it's really tall that model. I mean, I, I did when I did my one. I I love it. It took ages. Um, and I did it because my vampires are quite quickly painted. Um, so when I was looking at doing the Death Army, I wanted to use that model particularly. I wanted to use my Blood Knights. I wanted to use my Hex Rays. Um, and then I was looking at using more Tarks and more Gas, and I was like, well, literally, it's an army. Um, and in terms of gaming. In terms of effectiveness, I mean, when we're talking about gaming, we're talking about South Coast and Clash packs predominantly, because you're a bit like me in that you don't really game outside of tournaments. I've played Age of Sigmar outside of a tournament. Yeah, I've played. No. So I know exactly how many games I've played because it's Blood and Glory plus Firestorm <laughs> Fours plus South Coast. Yeah. So uh, that's literally very similar to me. So when I'm planning an army, I'll look at those packs all those events, the environment I'm going to, and design it around that. So I think with the death, when I was looking at the concept I had was almost like a death wave. So I was the plan was to use Hex Race as a vanguard, um, put them up with Mystic Shield on, and um, use them so the enemy gets stuck on them. And then you then retreat through their units and do mortal wound damage in your when in your turn. Um and they then chaff up the next um counterattack units of your opponent. And, and the your opponent. Yeah, and the Blood Knights then charge and delete what they were fighting. Um and you almost like rolling wave your army and you use summoning to fill the gaps. So you summon spirit host units to fill the gaps where you start to get holes appear or where they start to come round. And then you can use um, Morgas as a summon character hunter with the 3d6 charge. Um, and then you've got other options, like you can make like a pocket of spirit host and put a mortis engine behind it, almost like wedge them into the end opponent's army and then blow up the mortis engines. Um and then you've also got the other way you can just you take Neferata and go, well, I'm just going to make my Blood Knights immune to Rend and Mystic Shield them and not bother with the Hex Race. And it's maybe a bit too techy. I don't need to be that clever. 
Um, just pile a load more ghasts into people in big units, some blood knights, yeah. and yeah. There's a lot of flexibility, so, and there's a lot of different heights as well, which mm. and, and sizes and shapes of model, and that goes from a gaming perspective as well as a painting one, so you've got these, these big mortis engines. I've got two in the list I've written. I did have three, but they're the first thing to go. I think three is a bit too much. It'd look awesome, though. It would look awesome, <laughs> I think it would be... I don't think you need more than two. Yeah. Um, so I got two in there. It, I think it might... Like, when there was the, the Twin Towers Skaven army that was everywhere with the Screaming Bell and yeah. the Plague Furnace, just having those two pillars in there, I think, looks awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's ended up with... Essentially, it's, it's the list you and I talked about that you were intending on running early on, but I've added Harbingers and Archive. And, yeah. Um, we didn't speak about what Mortark would go in there or, or anything when we spoke about it. We, we spoke... It was more the, the core of the army rather than the the fancy feeling around yeah. the edges and whatever. But essentially I've ended up with something that looks like both a really interesting army to play and there is a massive amount of variety in terms of what's painting and it's all potentially fairly quick. So I've got... Yeah, and you've got the added bonus that adding like a Mongol would be an obvious thing um, and that's really cool as well. And that, you know, It'll look very, good... very evil covered in blood. Yeah, it would look awesome. Um so I think that, I mean, we haven't played, obviously we haven't played any games or anything, but it'd be quite interesting to see, once you get it up and ready, this army, how you find the game inside of it. Yeah, I think it might, if I am using the hex rates, it might actually work kind of similarly to my elf army, but just with the rest of the army being more aggressive rather than standing back and shooting. Um, mm. Although it w- I've written it with, and I find it, I find it very hard actually, not designing an army where I just think, okay, I'll kill everyone. And then it's always afterwards that you think about objectives <laughs> and uh, and stuff like that. You just thought, like, this would be cool if I put these in that, kill anything. You're like, great, well, that would involve running yeah. all of your army from your side of the board to their side of the board, playing pitch <laughs> battle, killing them, and then losing because they've got, like, three Nurglings in each quarter or whatever. Yeah, and that's the thing I need to look at with my Orcs. I need to think about range because I need some range stuff in it. Because it's feeling very much like my Bloodbound and it needs to have some range threat in the army. Oh, yeah, it's the strength of one of Les's armies. He's got things that stand on his objectives, killing people off his opponent's objectives. And you're, mm. winning, you're winning the game in your side and their side when you're doing that. Whereas perhaps both the armies that we're talking about, they go across and they win things in our opponent's side whilst leaving, leaving a, a little bit of a, a lack. Particularly with mine, there's no infantry in it currently. Uh, so I... I just need to not play too yellow when I put it out. Maybe put yeah. some zombies in there or something. But uh, the the first iteration of this is always going to be the one that's the fastest to paint. And I've got 150 mm. pulls here under South Coast. But yeah. It might be actually I just paint up 120 straight away, and I take this if I go to a smaller event, and I just take the same list to every game because it's one of the best ways to learn. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously we've got the um, the exciting news from Games Workshop that. There's going to be match play coming, so you don't know what shape it's going to take under that, and and what what's going to be around that to make the the choices there. So I think people might be thinking, "Oh wait, oh wait, I don't know what to do." I'd just say, just do an army, you know, just just get on with it. There's no point holding on, you know. The end of the day, they're not going to invalidate anything, so you might as well just crack on. Yeah, absolutely. Play a lot. Kill a lot, get used to your army, the shapes it makes, and then when changes happen, you can get 
add three more things, remove three others, and just do whatever you're going to do. Yeah, I think I think for me, like in terms of gaming wise, I had a look at the scrolls, and you know, you you sort of your brutes are kind of like your paladins in in a way, and your hard boys are kind of like your liberators. So for me, it's kind of like they're like the blood warriors and my wrathmongers kind of thing. Um, and then obviously, like the gore grunters are basically like my blood crushers. Um, and then the the more crusher is not like anything in my bloodbound army, so I'm quite excited about using one or two of those. Um, and then it's for me, it's going to be how do I fill around that list? So I'm probably looking at a core set of models that I'll take every game, which might be like 15 brutes, 30 hard boys, six gore grunters, and then whatever else around the edges. What's that about six um, Do you think? But <laughs> um, under South Coast, it's not. I've not pointed them yet. But um, I'd imagine then, it's you're right in it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just make it whatever. Just make it cheap. Yeah, but I mean, under like Clash Draft, what we put out, it's one point five per unit basically. Um, so you're looking at um, kind of thirteen and a half out of twenty. So it gives you about you know, six and a half pools to check to play around with for characters and other things. But I mean, like you could just drop out, reduce the size of the units, like go down to twenty, uh, ten brutes and twenty yard boys, and then you've got um, or drop, drop the gore grunters, whatever. Then you make choices like, okay, do I want some moon clan grots and some fanatics? Do I want to take manglers? Am I am I going to take some rock lobbers? Am I going to take some spear chuckers? Just want some um, boys. What if I just take thunder tusks? Yeah. Because Thunder Tusks have got that range poke and it's a monster, so it gives you some nice board control and it pokes, and you could go, Well, I have that. Or you might just say, Well, actually, I'm just going to take loads of men and just run across the board and just overwhelm it's people. That's the scariest thing about orcs. Yeah. Because you've got. And, um, they've, they've kind of. They've just kept the right side of elite, I think, fluff wise. Obviously, mm. they're big dudes and they're heavily armored and whatever, but they're not. They're not elite elite. They're really choppy, though. I like the idea that... Because I found it a little bit disappointing with my Bloodbound that I'd go in with Chaos Warriors and there's no rend on anything. Yeah. Um, whereas the uh, the Iron Jaws have got a lot of rend. Is it a lot of rend one? It's, only, or... it's rend one, but it, it makes all the difference. Yes. Like, it, you know, three up save to a four up, a four up to a five up. It, it, just, it just gets so much value. Um, the amount of times that I was just like pinging away at three up saves or two up saves, and it's just like, oh god, two up saves, just it's painful. Definitely. When that's a three up save, actually stuff goes through. Um, it doesn't. I know it's not. It sounds like it's not a big difference, but it's it's, it's like a it's like a debuff. It, it's a huge amount because you're basically going from like sixty six percent to fifty. It's like you know it's a sixteen and a bit percent every time. Um, some stuff's got ren two. Um, you've got some things that do more wounds, so you can, you know, there are ways around armour. Um, and I think, aesthetically, the army's going to look really nice, so... Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's what I'm going, but... I mean, I, I'm probably going to have to put some stuff in to make it more interesting um, from a gaming point of view, but I haven't decided what yet, or what shape that'll take. Um, I haven't looked at all the formations yet. Um, hopefully there'll be some more coming out with other books. Um, and hopefully they'll release some new stuff for the uh, the um, destruction in the future. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's different. I've not done it 
for a long time and I've got other armies that if I do get a little bit bored I can move away and do something else and come back to it so I kind of I kind of fleet around and do a lot bit of everything so I think you only really need a couple of exciting pieces in army and then the rest of it just has to make sure that you you don't do nothing but exciting fancy things like I played essentially give two or three hundred points four hundred at max the same demon army for hundreds of games in 8th edition and the fact that I had my massive chariots that no one else had that could just shoot across the board and completely overperform every now and again or catch people out they were literally enough just two of them which was uh, as a percentage a fifth of my army roughly and Mm. just having those made it really good fun so it could be for you that just having two dragons on the board and then some stuff to back them up and work around them you only need one thing that is crazy and interesting and then the rest of your army has to react react and act around that and that makes it interesting in turn even if it's just a solid role play like a block of 10 dudes to stand on objectives suddenly them having to back up your guy to keep him alive or whatever things will be interesting as a matter of course and it's just like having the bloodthirst when you're bloodbound or, or whatever you've got something that is is pretty funky and techy or you can whip out a few tricks with or things that people don't see yeah, and like I say, I think I think that's why the filler of Iron Jaws, and then around that, I can put the interesting bits in. Because for me, the Bloodbound, the interesting bit was the Blood Letters and the Blood Firster, and the bits around that, and everything else was kind of just a staple choice I took in every list. And then I just had bits I played around with, like you know, Valkyrie was an interesting piece. She she added a lot to the army, but it's only one model but it just made the army a lot more interesting. And then I've got things like I was thinking about putting in like skull cannons and things like that. So that it just immediately opens up uh, like different ways to play. Um, That's what I like about AOS really There's so many units. You can just chuck them in and theme them to your army that your army becomes like, if you think about adding the moon clan in is that I can scale the iron jaws back, put the moon clan in, and then I've suddenly got like a way to interrupt charges. So I can put, um, night goblins down and then chuck fanatics out to interrupt their charge and then counter charge with hard boys and brutes things like that and then i probably don't need the cavalry and i can just move up in a big blob um and then i could take if i need some reach out and poke i can take some like war machines do you know what i mean like a couple of doom divers or something you know so it just gives me a bit of a, a bit of variation around the list so i can and, and with a side pool as well you can almost have different lists to play in the same event which i think is quite cool definitely to a certain degree painting the boring bunny ears it's just the word that is usable here, but not true. The boring stuff first, the solids, the staples, that means that everything you paint afterwards will be exciting and new. And yeah. like, I really didn't want to have to paint 30 spin of my elf army so much, but if I'd had them at the start, it would have been immense. <laughs> they would have been so useful. So getting that stuff out of the way is to a certain degree. And obviously it's exactly what I've said. I've avoided with my undead army because I'm not very grown up yeah. about things. Um, <laughs> It's a really, really good idea. If you can just knuck her down and get those, whatever it is, you've already got some night goblins, it's a great start, but a couple of blocks of 30 infantry, the chances are you're not going to need that many more in the future. So everything no. you're painting is going to be another dragon, a little war machine, a unit of this, uh, like a couple of characters. It's it's a really nice position to be in once you've got that initial slog out of the way, even if it is a slog, it might not be, you might love everyone. I, I don't know yet. I mean, I'm hoping that if I look at the actual core of my army, model-wise, it's six pigs, um, 15 brutes, and 30 hard boys. It's not actually that many models. Yeah. You're not actually talking, like, 
tons of models. Um, so it's, it's fairly easy. And then around the edges, I can go, right, I'm going to paint a more crusher. And then I could run two in a list. I could paint two. Or I could go, I'll paint a more crusher and a Thunder Tusk and a Stonehorn. Or I could go, I'm going to paint like 60 Night Goblins and, and nine Fanatics and, you know, or, or you get Squig Hoppers. And you just, you can kind of just, as and when, add a unit. And I can kind of go before an event. I can go the next event. I'm going to do something a little bit left field. I'm going to do this. This I'm going to add this into my army. Um, you know, it might. I might be. I'll add some savage orcs, and I'll add like a little savage orc force. And you go, okay, or bone splitter. I think they're called now. So you go, all right. I'll take some savage orc bowmen and and you know a few bits and bobs and the character and just and some boar boys or whatever, and just bulk out the orcs with cheaper orcs with some have got bows and go that way but there's so much you can do um i think you it's if you get this staple down and you know that's my solid core of my list then around it you can do more i think with death though you're it's a lot more of a techie army it's a lot more about the characters yeah um, the, the majority of my reading you know, i'll open the book up i've got it here but the first four pages have probably had four times as much reading because it's nagash neferata manfred and arkan they probably had about ten times the amount of reading that all the other pages in the book have had. Yeah, for, for me, like if I was doing an army purely for gaming, it would be a death army, just because I think it appeals to me the most. It's going to be fun to use. It's going to give me the most options. Um, but I kind of want to do. I want to do the orcs, so it's like, well, I'll make that work. I will find something. So definitely, and conveniently, as we were discussing earlier. Each one of the Facehammer crew is selecting a different faction from the Grand Alliances. It's just fell into that Les is doing order, Terry's doing chaos, I'm doing destruction, you're doing death. Yeah, which is so. pretty convenient. And <laughs> yeah. bring on the team tournaments, please. Someone run a team tournament. Yeah. That's, we didn't plan it, but it's worked out well. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, for me, like I, I can see myself just having an army for every faction. Oh, definitely. Because then, like, when a new range come out, you can go, I like those, I'll buy those, I'll add that to my faction, play my faction for a bit, the next release comes out, I don't really like that one, don't need to do it, it's fine. Another one comes out, yep, I'm going to add that. So, I think think that's the beauty of AOS, is, I I remember I was talking to, I think it was Adam Daly, um, he was talking about coming back to play it, and he said that what he likes about it is that if he wanted to play Fire Slayers, he doesn't have to paint a two thousand points of you know traditional points of or you know like an entire army of them. If he already had an order force, yes. he could have his order force and just go. I'm going to paint a unit of berserkers, a character, and a magma dragon, or whatever it's called. And you go, okay. So I've painted seven models. Let's go. And I can use them, and I still feel like I've got a fire slayer force. But if you only had that, it wouldn't be enough for an army. So it's kind of that's kind of the coolest thing about AOS. You can just go. I'm going to paint a little contingent of things, add it to my faction, and then split my army into two factions. Almost. It's really nice. You can get different options, and it just helps you keep things fresh. Yeah, and I think that's the especially with order and chaos. There's so many factions. You just there's so much you could do. Yeah, we both picked factions that are comprised, well, mine's pretty much comprised of one book, Ghost Tomb <laughs> Kings, it's just vampire camps, and then yours is comprised of two, but it still feels like there's loads of varieties in, in even those. I think there'll be stuff coming, so, I mean, for me, it's, I pick the models I like the most, um, basically. 
Um, and I, I will go back to my Bloodbound because I've got some stuff I want to do for those. Um, I'll wait till you know I, I'm I, down the line and I go, oh, fancy playing them again. It's where I found myself in 8th edition because I had so many armies. I would move away from an army and then come back to it, you know, six months down the line, 18 months down the line. Or even with my elves, for example, an entire edition. But it's why I'm always reluctant to sell armies because I always tend up coming back to them. Yeah. I was tempted to do an Archeon army. So quick. At one point. Did they go Archeon Vanguard, 10 more points of stuff done? Uh, I was going to do this formation with the Gaunt Summoner and a Lord of Change and a Lord of Zinch Demons. Um, so you could basically go, I know what the, if I've got the double turn or not, and I know when to push, I know when to put all the flamers down. I've got the double turn. You're getting like, I've summoned like 18 flamers. And I've got a double turn coming. It's so, and Archeon and the Varangard can all go in and Alpha Strike because I know that I'm going to get the double turn. So you can play around that. But I looked at it and went, yeah, it's cool. Then, but I played Chaos a lot and I just, I just fancy doing something different. So, exactly. Exciting times ahead. Exactly. Um, and people wondering about my Stormcast. Um, I will go and do those, but they're going to be a long slow burn painting project is that only when everyone else stops doing them um I mean that it does bother me slightly but it doesn't massively the the biggest issue I've got with them is that I need an army on the table to game with quickly because I'm bored of my bloodbound so if I was doing stormcast the way I want to paint them is not a quick way so I made the decision to do something else sort of fairly quickly and it will allow me to go and do them as a slow burn yes. um, when I feel like it. Um, so it's kind of, I didn't want to go, right, I'm going to do my Stormcast and then basically rush the paint job or spend the next sort of six months painting them to get them out. And, and a lot of people are playing Stormcast as well. So for me, it's kind of stay away from it um, for a bit. I can't believe I avoided that makes them. Sense. Yeah, definitely. I can't believe I avoided them at South Coast. There were so many that I just thought, oh, I'm <laughs> playing like two or three of them. Um, but somehow I dodged a bullet. Yeah, and I think um, they are they are like the iconic new thing. And that's all there was. And then Fire Slayers kind of come out, but I don't think they really had the they impact. They didn't make a but... splash, did they? They got good options in them, but I think the models are a lot more Marmite. Like, it's very hard yeah. to... The Stormcast, they're just big, chunky, modern fantasy, like whatever you call them, Templars, Paladins, etc. And they've got beautiful shapes. You can paint them up fast really well. You can paint them up slow really well. And yeah. they have all these options in the units, and they do that interesting thing. Whereas the Fire Slayers, I think their stylings will divide people's opinions more. And I think as well, like the Stormcast are in every bit of fluff, every Black <laughs> Library book. The story is all about them, and they're the main, they are the sort of the protagonists, if you will, which is cool. Um, but I think the Auric release is is massive. Like, I think so many people are going to buy them. Did you get the book, um, the fluff novel? Yeah, yeah, always get the books. I love books, so um, it's cool. I, I really like the artwork, there's some really cool um pictures in there. I, I just, yeah, I just think they look great. Um, so I just figured that the way I'm going to go about it is just do what I like, what I think is cool, and and if 
I sort of play with them and then they're everywhere. I'll play something else for a bit and come back to them. So the Death Army, I'll probably do it at some point. It's not going to go away. Just wait until you give me all the units that I don't want to assemble. Yeah. Then I have to buy them all and build them all again and I get bored and then I'll do something else. <laughs> I don't so, think I'm going to need any more than 12 more ghasts. I've already got too much. I didn't need to assemble those first two. Heartbreaking. No. no uh, yeah. It was a bit heartbreaking building 12 and then for one event and then um, playing like one game, getting a migraine and then going, oh no, I'm out. And then I was like, I'm never going to use all these whatever bought them all. So I'm kind of glad they're valid now. <laughs> Still valid. Don't worry, you can turn them into turn them into some more. It's 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 more orcs, yeah. If you're quadruple with an army, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do. That. I might do. Ben <laughs> <laughs> Johnson inspired. Um, um, so I think to sum up, really, I mean we've we've sort of talked a bit about what we're doing in our projects, but I'll probably just do a little bit of a summary about if you were thinking about starting an army, the process and what you should think about. Oh, so um, for me. I mean, I know it's an obvious one, but um, think about whatever you're building. It doesn't have to be a big force. I mean, think about the environment you're going to use it in. So what I mean by that, if you're going to a lot of tournaments, look at the tournament systems that are being used and which one you're going to play. If you're playing down in your local gaming group or with your mates or even in your store, look at what they're doing or what people are playing around there. They're just running the environment. the table and killing each other. Because that's a very well, different list to you have. To yeah, but also, if people in your local gaming event are playing like quite soft collections of, you know, not a very honed lists, don't bring Arkan, Nefrata, Henrik, Kemmler, and stuff, and be like, yeah, we're normal games, um, because you, it's not fun. Nobody wants to play you. Um, you know, so so think about your environment. Um, Think and it, it might be that you want to do a narrative thing, and you go, "Well, I'm going to do Bloodbound, and my mate's going to do Stormcast, and we're going to play through the scenarios." Or I'm going to do he's going to do Sylvaneth and Stormcast, and I'm going to do Rockbringers and Pestilence, and we're going to play through wh- whatever it is. So that's something you need to consider. Um, also, like what models you like. Yeah. Um, don't force yourself to spend time with something you don't enjoy looking at. That's an awful thing to do. You should never no. do it. It's a terrible idea. And, and don't do it because it's good in the game. Like that's probably the worst reason to to do it. Um, you know, I mean, unless your project is is purely gaming and you're just going to dip the army, then it doesn't matter. But um, I would say that you know, think about what your what sort you're going to aim is with the project. If it's to have an, a nicely painted army, what what kind of techniques or colors or um, things are you going to do? Like for me, when I do a new army, I like to try and do something different than what I haven't done before. Like learn to paint flesh, learn to paint metal, work on my speed, yeah. etc. Yeah, just try and find a a technique or medium or or something that I haven't done before that I want to do, and that's a challenge to me. It's like a little goal to learn it and increase my my sort of my arsenal of skills that I have for painting an army. Um, not everyone is the same. Some people just, I just want to get the army on the table. I don't really care that much. But I think everyone who who paints armies, you might as well try and get the enjoyment out of that that process as well. Because you're bearing a model. I always see it as you're paying for the experience of painting it as well as the experience of gaming with it. So to get the best out of both experiences, I think you get the best value for your money. 
Definitely. And if you really, really don't like any of the hobby side of it, then just pay someone else to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Or, or go play Magic the Gathering or something. Yeah. Because so. <laughs> I think it's such a big part of this hobby that I, I don't understand the mentality, to be honest, but, you know, it's easy for me to say. I'm not judging if, if you are just a pure gamer and you hate painting. Uh, plenty of my friends are, to be honest, so it's uh, one of those things. Um, but, yeah, I'd, if you're going to do a project, also think about a time frame. Yeah. It really helps. So, I, I, for me, like, and this is it all comes down to motivation for me if i'm going to do an army i need a goal i need a target so i'm going to bristol smash and call to war my target is to play aurochs at those events so i know that i've got to get my army painted in the next sort of five weeks you know i've got to get it at that level in that time frame i don't have time to do a really techie job so I've picked an army with low model count, super modern. Um, a lot of the basing scheme I've picked is very simple. I'm going to airbrush a lot of the base colors down. I'm going to do it in two stages of table ready and then finished. Um, that That's how I've done it. So if you're going to do a target and you're like, well, I'm going to pay, we're going to play a campaign or and we're going to aim it at the sort of this scenario and for this scenario I need to paint X and I've got one month then next month we're going to do the next scenario and we're going to paint the extra units so I've got a month to paint each section of models fine or, or you know you're going to go I'm planning for blood and glory in you know whatever it is November or wherever he's running it October November so you've got all that time so you're going to go well, I need a display board I want my terrain I want my army and almost sometimes it's even helpful to break it into almost like a mini project so you say, what am I going to do in the next week? And set yourself mini goals within your army. So, so you go little, in this a little Gantt chart and say, right, I'm, yeah. I've got these things. Also, one thing I'd say is don't have all of your unfinished stuff close to where you're painting. Like pick the thing you're working on, finish it, put that on a shelf for good motivation. And anything else should be hidden in a box until you actually need to work on it. Because there is nothing worse for me than sitting there looking at, whatever it is, like 120 built plastic dudes on bases, just all, all forlorn, looking like an insurmountable mountain that I've got to climb. I'm I'm kind of the opposite. Mentalist. When I'm doing like an army, I like to build it all and have it on a shelf, and as I paint units, move the paint units to another shelf. Okay. So I've got like a... I can see... One shelf getting smaller, the other one getting bigger. I can get that, but I just, that at the start. But it's not in my eye line when I'm sat painting. Okay. So it's in a cabinet behind me. So it's not. It's not in my visual. It's not on my work it's desk. In front of you, looking in front of me as I'm painting. It's not in the way. It's not in front of my paints, or you know, I've got. I've got it behind me so that when I finish a session, I turn around and put it in the in the cabinet. I can look at the overall progress and go, all right, I'm quite happy with that. And the reason is, is because I work to deadlines, so I need to see how far along am I, and I might have to rethink what I'm doing and go, actually, I'm not going to get this done, so I'm going to put it on hold. I'm going to go back to this army, and then for this event, I'm going to paint these two units because I want to have an interesting gaming experience and I'm bored of this. So... That's kind of what happened with my Stormcast. I had my Stormcast laid out. I did a test model and went, this is a long project. I've got a tournament in six weeks, eight weeks' time. Am I going to get the army finished? What bound? No. So put a pin in it. What am I going to do? 
I know the Oryx are coming. I've just seen them go out for pre-order. I'm going to do those. How long have I got? I've got this time. How many models roughly do I have to paint? You know, 50 or 60? Yeah, no problem. So I, I kind of... that That's how I work. Um, it, it all depends on what motivates you. Um, and knowing that is... You might not even know what does and what doesn't. And having that discipline. And I say as well, if you're someone with, like, commitments, family, time, commitments to your time, it's just almost get into a routine of saying this like this is what Les did and I know Dan's talked about it before on Healing Hammer I will paint between 5am 6am or 6am 7am in every morning or three mornings a week or you go every Tuesday is paint night just make it you part know. of your routine so you make it so you say to like if you you know if you're in like you your partner you go right you know kids go to bed at you know half seven we, we'll spend we'll watch the, our program together till what, half eight I will then paint from half eight till eleven o'clock go to bed every Tuesday and then you go well that gives me X number of hours a week I've got this many weeks to get to where I am have I got enough time and then you but you because you've you've kind of scheduled that and it's your routine you you will just get on with it and you will do it um and I suppose we could talk a little bit about motivation. Um, get some friends who are also painting. Get on Skype. Get them on Skype. If you, yeah, if you're not there physically, sit, get on Skype. Sit with your headset. I mean, listen to podcasts like like us. That's always helpful. Audiobooks is another thing, which I love. They've got me through so many painting sessions to listen to the Game of Thrones or some Brandon Sanderson. You know, there's loads of stuff out there. We might even do a show on what audio yeah, books I think recommend. We'll definitely go through like, the, like, the top 10 at least because we've listened to a lot between us, you, me, and Les. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a really good way to sit at your painting desk, have something on in the background, um, and you almost. You, you sort of your your paint routine just doesn't feel as much of a chore because you're kind of doing two things at once. Um, talking to your friends is a great motivation because especially if you've got like a headset on, because you can't really get away from your desk because you're on your headset, and so you're chatting away and you just sat there. You might as well be doing something with your hands, like so you might as well be building your models. How many times do we models. say it? Like, so what are you doing, Russ? Oh, actually nothing really. I better get these out, and then you're just being hobby guilted by peer pressure by accident and. Yeah, an hour in, you've had a nice chat with your mates, which you probably would have done anyway, and you sat there and you got like ten assembled dudes, or you put the base coat down, or you've done all the leather, or or whatever it is your task was. Yeah, so um, that's another great way to be motivated. Is is almost like to have other people going through the same process, and if you're both going to the same event, you know, set a, an evening aside a week. If you, you know, I, don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of don't have many commitments in my, my free time, so I can just do one at one on one. But if you, you've all got like family stuff, just set like a, oh, on a Tuesday or whatever, we all of us get on Skype and we all paint. And you can all do that, that one guy, because every painting group has one. The one guy yeah. who's saying like, oh, I'm going to get this done, this done, I'm going to get this done and this done, and it's going to be amazing, it's going to be my new hobby army. It's like Captain Ridiculous Expectations. Then you can bully him until he actually has finished something. And then you get, um, you can always have a WhatsApp group as well. Yes. So you can just like send pictures to each other and say, this is what I'm working on. Oh, what do you think about this base scheme? Do you think it works? I mean, we do it all the time. Oh, WhatsApp's got, I think, 1,400 pictures <laughs> in it at this stage. Mostly all models. Yeah. <laughs> models and gin yeah. and crackers. <laughs> 
So we we generally would just say like, okay, um, you know, I'm, I'm like I did it with my base. I put two bases next to each other and say which one, or I've done a wash on this one. I haven't done it on this one. Wash or no wash? Question mark. Um, and it's just good to get a bit of feedback. It's instant. Um, and you know, if people aren't online painting or talking to them, even when we're talking on Skype, we send pictures through WhatsApp to what we're talking about. It's easier to sort of explain. Um, so these sort of things will help you get through a hobby project. I think you know, it's uh, it's definitely um, definitely a great way to get through painting an army. Um, yeah. But I don't know what else. If you want to add to that, Brian, um, I'll just say positive feedback loops. So don't ever pick a unit to do in one go that's too big if you struggle with that type of thing. So some people, and I've got all the admiration and jealousy in the world for them because they often are really, really good painters, can sit down and paint the skin on 50 night goblins one night in the first layer, and they'll do the second layer the next night, and the third the next night, and I'll do all the boots, and I'll do all the spears. I find that absolutely horrific, and I'm a little child, so if I don't get closure and feel like I'm making progress, I can actually see and I really struggle so I try to make it so at the low point of every single model a safe basing like it's properly like I've got strats in my head for it um, when I'm getting to like 80% of the way through the model which is normally the, the maximum low before you start doing the faster bits at the end then I do my basing then suddenly it looks better and I'll pick rather than picking a unit of 10 dudes I'll pick a unit of 7 if that's going to make it more likely that uh, I enjoy the process more um, I'm not sure if you just do them in units because you got a, a less uh, emotional response to it than me, but I I really do plot them out like that. And if I've done something that was a struggle and it was hard, and I like to put a reward at the end, like okay, well you've done these twenty dudes character or or anything like that. There's plenty of different ways to go about it, but just blocking out your time in a way which doesn't make your hobby seem like a chore is really really helpful, especially if you're paying an entire army like. Games of Warhammer are big these days. We're talking about South Coast or whatever. You, you're probably typically talking about whatever it is, like 70 dudes. It's quite a lot of models. Yeah. Um, so don't don't make it harder for yourself by thinking like, no, I've got to do this. I'm going to sit down. Here's 50 Night Goblins. Like, if, if that's the type of thing you're capable of, great. But if it's not, don't set yourself up to fail by making the wrong decisions before you started. I remember one of the most horrific weeks of painting in my life was when I decided, with my Skaven army, I decided that I had to paint 125 clan rats. So I decided that I would do 25 a day, five days in a row. <laughs> and then I would do all the shields Idiot. on the last day. And then I'd have a rest day. Um, suffice to say, that week, I, I was just covered in brown paint all week. Um, tears. And, and, yeah, and literally closing my eyes at night and just seeing like like rat tails and 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 back in the day um brown ink wash and and dry brushes and and just you know it's got to a point where you just sat on the third day painting the next like getting up to 75 and you're thinking I- i'm really not enjoying this so i think you know it's not it's not a good idea um i think you it's important to get like so you said about doing it in manageable chunks different people manage things in different ways so some people go i'm quite happy to sit and paint 20 men in a batch other people want to paint them in fives some people like to do two to threes it depends what you're painting like for me with my iron jaws 
Um, I've got 20 brutes to paint. I'll probably do them in batches of five. But if that's too much, if I, I get to a point, I did it with my Blight Kings. I did. I started doing most of the base colours on all five in a go. And then you do like three. And then I went, I'm going to break this now into into twos and the banner separately. So then I did, I just finished two of them and then I finished two of them and then I finished the banner because I got to the point where I was like, I'm actually, I'm getting to all the techie detail highlights um, and they're all quite individual anyway because they're, they're almost character models each. So I decided I was just going to break that unit up. Um, and that's totally fine. You know, for my orcs, I'm I'm probably going to get all the base colours done, get all the bases done across the whole army. And then I'm just going to take small units at once and give them a go. But I might do in groups of three. Equally, if, you, if it's going really well, if you started on five and you've got three more units, you could do a five or ten and then reward yourself with a quick five at the end. It's all about keeping it enjoyable. And that could be processes as well. If you hate basing, maybe get that out of the way first. Or if you like it, save it till the end. It's just it's bracketing your time, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And... and... And just knowing what makes you tick and how to keep yourself bubbly and infused. And if you know that you're you're bad at getting distracted and playing computer games, uninstall lol, Terry. Uninstall League of Legends if you're Terry, <laughs> or like you know, like do something like if you've got like if you're playing like WoW or something, unsubscribe for a month. Or you know, if you know that you're, I mean, even if you've got like an Xbox and you think I'm playing it all the time, unplug it, put it in the loft. Yep. Because then it becomes harder to get out the loft and plug it up than it does to sit at your painting table. So um, it is all what keeps you motivated. But it shouldn't it shouldn't feel like a chore. It should be something you enjoy. And and you know, I mean, the other way as well is if you've got multiple game systems or painting projects. Is 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 I'm, I'm painting an army. It's all yellow and black and green. I've painted twenty models that way, and I've got another twenty to go. I'm not going to stop and paint like ten models for a blood ball team yeah, or a guild ball team or dudes. something else, yeah. or you know, and then you just go, well, I'm going to do something else. Then I'm going to go back to it. Um, and send and us, that, that's another great way to do it. Send us questions as well. If you if you really want to do this army and got this idea for it, if you want to send us a picture of a color and say how to do this efficiently, pop it through. We've got we've got a fair bit of hobby experience. I dread to think of the amount of thousands of hours we've got between the four of us. Just pop it through, ask the question, and we'll be more than happy to let you know how we'd go about painting it. Uh, if you've got a specific technique, you don't know how to do anything like that. Because a lot of them, I don't think painting involves much skill. It involves 95% knowledge and then the ability to just about hold a brush straight, as far as painting armies go. Yeah, I mean, you can get really effective armies without really having any technical brush control. Um, I'd say is. Like, like, yeah, you can contact us basically on Twitter, you can email us, you can get us on Facebook, um, or even if we're at an event and you just want to have a word, you know, yeah, just put us on Twitter. Point us at your models and, um, what do you think about my model? What can I do to this? And we're happy to give that feedback, you know. And, uh, it's part of the hobby, it's what we love. So, you know, it's, if, and, and to be honest, don't, as, as painters, we, we nick stuff of each other all the time, don't we? So, the highest form of compliment, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, and I think um, I think it's um, it's great to to try and put your own spin on stuff as well. I mean, I've some of the most interesting um, uh, sort of hobby experiences I've had is when I've sat down with another painter and they've painted their model, I've painted my model, and I've just we've just 
compared and looked at what each other's doing and talked through. Um, and that's really useful. Like, um, I'd really like to do that with, with like everyone on the cast really at some point, like have like a painting weekend or something and just, you know, actually do it live, so to speak. Yeah, I think that'd be really interesting because I know that I paint in a very, very defined manner. So do you. Um, Les, I don't know, I'm not sure if any of us understand quite how he can paint a character at the speed that he can. Like when, we, <laughs> <laughs> when we were doing our, uh, our Skating Grace here and he was like, done. Um, like, yeah, so I've done the first blend on the robes. And he's like, yeah, I've finished my model. He's like, uh, uh, okay. I, I like nose done. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone does things differently um, and share that knowledge. And if you're not good at something, just ask someone who's better how they've gone about it. It's the best way yeah. to learn. And um, I, I find that learning how someone else does something is not necessarily doing it exactly how they do it, but just seeing it, understanding it, and going, oh, that kind of what I kind of get the concept. I'm going to give it a go, but I'm going to make it my own. And that, and just, you just add it into your own technique. It, it kind of works. But anyway, so if you're starting a new project, a new army, and you want to tell us about it um, or ask us what you think, send us some pictures you know, at us on Twitter, send it on Facebook, email us, email us the pictures or, or something, or just, just say, look, this is my idea. What do you think of this? We'll give you a bit of feedback. You know, we'd like to see it and see it as it builds. And if you're doing a project, you want a bit of motivation, um, you know, get on Twitter and just, just tweet your progress, and get some feedback, get some, you know, get some people talking about it, create some excitement. Definitely. So. And if you haven't bought it yet, click through our affiliate link and then we can get some more, Beautiful, sexy microphones because soon the entire team is going to be crystal, yep. crystal clear, and you'll be able to hear those beautiful country accents coming through. <laughs> yeah, we can't get a um, forest filter for Les, unfortunately. <laughs> Just put some leaves in um, front of him. <laughs> yeah. So um, you might notice Byron's got a new microphone. So um, we're going to be um, we got the affiliate payout today, um, which was overwhelming so thank you for everyone for that support um I, I imagine a lot of that's got to do with the green dudes that come out just this weekend um but yeah um it's awesome so we're going to be getting new mics for terry and les um the same one that byron's got and then from there we will go forward and look at getting mixer desks and things like that so uh yeah plenty of stuff to go so keep supporting us um we'll probably do a new batch of dice soon so uh yeah hopefully that's uh been a nice little mini-sode for you about painting. Okay, beautiful. Alright, well thanks for listening and we'll catch you soon. Peace! To make sure you don't miss out on any more Hammer to Your Face, subscribe to us on iTunes, add our RSS feed to your reader and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.